You're listening to a fresh new podcast on healing, spiritual development, nutrition, energy work, and sometimes aliens. From the owner of the celebrity acclaimed Raw Republic Juice Bar and Wellness Center in New Orleans, Louisiana, Sheena Manina. Yes, that's her real name. This is Raw Talk with Sheena. Hi, Ryan. Hi. Welcome back. You are officially on Raw Talk with Sheena. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks, Sheena. Thanks for having me. Okay, so I'm going to give a brief introduction of you to my listeners. So you guys you have probably heard that I have really intense dreams. I have have, injri- have dreams that are so indicative of something happening that I can't even explain to myself what's happening normally. And so I am so incredibly excited to introduce this week's guest, who is Ryan, who you've heard his voice. He is the author of an incredible website called... Oh, the, the website went away, Ryan. Back to the casualty of the interview. So it's Dream Studies. Is it dreamstudiesportal.org? Dreamstudies.org. Dreamstudies.org. Okay, so you guys, I've been researching the best person to speak with about these occurrences and just sort of what my observation has been of my own dreams. And Ryan, you are the man. I'm feeling I'm feeling like the dream the dream man. So that's 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 fine. I'll take that projection. <laughs> so okay. Let's start out first by you just saying how and, and you know, people can read your story on your website. So and we know that it like from that from my research, a little bit of research, you had a lot of nightmares as a teenager, correct? That's true. Okay, so you became immersed in this work because you were trying to figure out why you were having nightmares or getting information about nightmares, or what was it? That's half the story. That's half the story. I mean, you know, some people have more dynamic dreams than others, and I was one of the people that had been blessed with vivid dreams. And vivid and bizarre can sometimes mean super scary, and so it was the full spectrum for me. Okay, so what did you find out from your research about why specifically your dreams were scary? Ah, so, well, I mean, as a young adult, I was having lots of spontaneous, lucid dreams, dreams that I knew that I was dreaming. Um, But, you know, usually this is a very um, empowering thing to have. Um, People are like, oh, you can do anything you want. You can fly around. You can control the dream. But for me, it was actually nightmarish. I was still being chased by monsters, even though I know it was a dream. It was was very much like the the Freddy Krueger type scenario. Um, And in fact, he was, um, Wes Craven, the director of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, was inspired by his own nightmares, which mm-hmm. included sleep paralysis nightmares, which is a totally another kind of nightmare that I was blessed to have as a young adult. <laughs> okay, so what what is sleep paralysis for those who don't experience it or maybe do experience it and don't know what it's called? Yes, yeah, so sleep paralysis, you know, basically if you've ever woken up and in the middle of the night and realized you can't move, that is the <clears throat> central feeling of sleep paralysis. Now, what comes with that is like layers of like scarier and more bizarre stuff, like feeling that something or someone is holding you down, like a sensed presence or a ghost, um, and including having a vision and actually seeing a monster sitting on you. 
um, having a visitation dream, there's that kind of thing, all happens within the sleep paralysis label. So it's uh, it's very complex, and the weirdest thing about it is, is that it feels absolutely real. It feels as real as this moment right now. Okay, so through all of your studies, have you completely dismissed the option for there actually being something happening through that experience? What do you, you mean having something happening in terms of, in, in a paranormal sense? Is that what you mean? Instead of paranormal, can we say parallel? You can say whatever you want. I'm, I'm absolutely um, a believer in, in the multidimensionality of our human existence. And I am open to all kinds of ways that, you know, we interpret these things. My experiences have been very impactful. Mm -hmm. And they have shown me that there, you know, we can have experiences with what appears to be intelligent sources outside of the human psyche. And sometimes they are not wanting to do us well. And that's what it feels like. And that's the psychological interpretation. And even if it's even if we get into the biology, which we can do and mm -hmm. talk about the different things that are going on with the brain that help co-create that experience, its impact, the psychological impact of that is super important because it affects your spirituality, it affects your beliefs, the way you think that the universe is structured, what's possible, right? So, right. so, so you can't dismiss the experience and, and just, you know, say a definition and say, okay, now, now you're fine. Exactly. So, so many questions are coming up just with that description. But going back to the sleep paralysis, have you ever experienced something past the moment of recognizing that you were in sleep paralysis that is an experience that feels like it's beyond a dream? Yeah, I have. And, and one of the interesting things about sleep paralysis is that it is, in a sense, um, a portal to the other extraordinary realms, the vision realms, the dream realms, uh, lucid dreaming, out-of-body experiences, um, ancestral dreams, you know, dreams of knowledge, and visions of knowledge. Um, and so once you kind of get past that threshold, being stuck in the threshold of sleep paralysis, and there are a lot of other things that can happen. Like... Well, I mean, I've, uh, so I had yeah, my Yeah, just first... from your experience, okay. because yeah, so, you, so. you've documented it so well that I think that you're probably the best des describer of this. Well, you know, I often get in trouble when I talk about my own experiences because so many people suffer from sleep paralysis. And a lot of what I do is essentially coach about how to get over the fear, how to find your curiosity, how to make that transformational leap. Mm -hmm. um, so you want to explore the dream realms. Um, for me, um, when I explain these things, people say, oh, you're whitewashing it. You're saying that it's, it's supposed to be always delightful and ecstatic. And, and that's not what I'm saying. But there are, you know, encounters that you can have that are actually pleasant, ecstatic, even erotic, um, you know, orgasmic uh, mm -hmm. experiences can happen in these states. You know, people talk about having sex with ghosts, mm -hmm. things like that. I mean, this is Halloween right right now. So <laughs> so um, we're allowed to talk about ghosts for like, what, four more days or something like that? Precisely. You know? <laughs> four more days. <laughs> yeah. So, so for me, my first experience that was absolutely, I'd say, uh, healing happened about maybe 10 or 12 years ago. 
and I had a bout of sleep paralysis. I was taking an afternoon nap, and I was in a very bad mood. Um, I had just had a really kind of awful experience, um, and I I went, you know, a social experience, and I went home and, and sort of fell into this, like, you know, one of those naps where you were, <laughs> I was like laying on my stomach, and my stomach was mm-hmm. very much in pain from from just the tension. And I suddenly fell into that that experience of sleep paralysis in which I, um, I felt the pressure, um, I felt the inability to move, and then I felt that sense of presence. And in that moment, I basically tried to suspend my fear. I said, I'm going to just hope for the best. I'm just going to be open mm-hmm. to what this experience can bring. And if you can do that authentically, sometimes these things happen. And what happened is, is that the figure emerged, and it was a feminine presence. She was wearing um, white, you know, garb, basically, um, and just effused with light, okay? And she somehow, okay, at that moment, gravity rotated 180 degrees. So suddenly now I was laying on my back, not my stomach, in this in my experience, okay? And I feel she put her hands on me uh, right where my pain was in my you know in my in my stomach um, and and this warm glow came and just she healed me I mean it was just this wonderful beautific moment of being having my hands laid on me and right. I woke up from that and of course gravity flipped back and I was like um you know I'm sleeping on my stomach again and all of that tension and was gone was gone um, and so it was, you know, basically it seemed to me like very much what people will say as an angelic encounter, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, it had all that archetypal imagery was there of, of the, the feminine figure, you know, the, the way that the, um, the clothing was and, mm-hmm. um, you know, just all these, all these really, these interesting qualities about it. And it's just this experience that stuck with me for days. I felt for days afterwards that, uh, yeah, that I that I, I felt a sense of love around me uh, and presence. So, so that was for me. I think that was the watershed moment. Wow. Okay. So from there, were you able to facilitate that experience again? So those kind of experiences, you can be open for them, but they don't come when they're called. <laughs> okay. Yeah. At least that's, that makes that sense. That's, uh-huh. so, so that's the work, I guess. Right. The work is. Um, um, trying to remain open and um and then the experiences you know the opportunities come so that is one experience and and i talk to a lot of people about their dreams and dream states obviously because i'm i'm curious because mine are very interesting as well and a lot of what i've heard from people who have experienced what you've just described or or have had a similar experience has been that that is usually the capacity to reach that level is generally coupled with a lot of other experiences that may be very difficult to discern what's happening from, you know, receiving information from God source, from receiving mm-hmm. information from extraterrestrial life, from receiving information um, from the future. So, have you recognized that kind of opening um, the conversation has brought you to the place of hearing about a lot of these things? And have you seen, you know, I mean, obviously, if we are 
in a dream state and seeing something futuristic, there might be um, the capacity of gauging whether or not that actually is happening in some way. Yeah, all right, this is what this is what the experience has brought for me. Is it, it made me realize um, how many of us have anomalous events, extraordinary experiences. Uh, and all of us don't necessarily have all of the kinds of experiences you can have, but when you once you have one, and you realize, okay, this is, I didn't realize this kind of thing was possible, and it mm-hmm. changes, right? It changes your your viewpoint of the universe. Then you become more open to, well, maybe that other person isn't just full of it. Maybe they actually did, you know, mm-hmm. have this kind of thing, and 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 with. You know, visitation dreams, um, absolutely. Dream telepathy, um, it appears to be in effect. I mean, you know, um, and and I've had ancestral encounters that they just have a deep resonance with me. Like for me, I'm not about trying to prove or disprove. Exactly. I'm not a, I'm not a researcher in psychic phenomena, so that's not what I'm about. I'm, a, I'm more interested in transformative experience, helping people... Um, deal with them right and because like you were saying right they sometimes it all happens all at once um you know in in psychology we talk about that as spiritual emergence and and in it can when it happens all at once and you're not prepared it can be spiritual emergency it can come through channels that are painful and Mm -hmm. and, and if you're not grounded and you're not prepared and if you're not you don't have certain you know like supports in place um, it can be harmful to mm-hmm. to you. You can like you know right your your life can fall to pieces, um, based because so, of a dream. It, right, it, it starts with the dream, and then you have a synchronicity, and then uh, right, and then before you know it, like you know um, things melt down, and you're in, and you don't go to work because you don't think things are real anymore. Um, Shit. Uh, so, okay, that's <laughs> you've actually just described my greatest fear is actually becoming so, okay so w- the only way for me to stay sane because I'm such a busy person is for me to interact with that experience of completely letting go regularly okay so in doing so my greatest fear is that I will let go to the point of not coming back and so I've experienced that twice once in um, some somewhat of a he- an energy healing session, and this actually was the um, it was called healing touch. So it was more of like the religious approved energy healing session before I was you know certainly denounced by all religions by my current you know practices and beliefs. Um, but yes, it was during an energy healing session called healing touch where I felt like I was going so far into a black hole that. If I would have allowed myself to continue going, I would I would not have come back. Mm. And I've had a similar experience, which now I'm kind of connecting to your story of sleep paralysis. It seems like that is what I was experiencing, but it was almost orgasmic. But again, I was afraid to go into it mm. because I was afraid I wasn't going to come back. So when you have these experiences of dreams that feel so vividly as though you physically are being pushed into a different dimension and you say yes and you continue going what has what has been like some of the other things that has happened for you you said you mentioned like the ancestral what did you what did you call that ancestral visions or, yeah. or visitations 
Yeah. Uh, so a lot of my, I guess my my work, uh, personal work um, with dreaming or with these these things is with lucid dreams, and and what my practice is is I would have a dream, I'd realize that I'm dreaming in the dream, and then rather trying to, um, you know, do different kinds of things, I would just be in the dream as I am and participate and see where the dream takes me. So that's one approach to take that can lead to some very um, emotional and powerful encounters because you're meeting the dream halfway. Uh, and then other times I've done things. Quick, okay, yeah, go ahead. Quick question on lucid dreaming. Are you yeah. still receiving the benefits of sleep when you are participating in your dream? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, uh, most lucid dreams are happening in a very active state of mind. Um, people wake up and they feel very excited and alert. And lucid dreams tend to be short, you know. I mean, most of them are less than a few minutes long. Some people have these elaborate, long lucid dreams. Um, but it's not really a problem when it comes to comes to sleep health, unless you're keeping yourself up at night trying to have lucid dreams, okay. <laughs> which some which some people do. Okay, got it. Yeah, yeah. So so another another uh, experience or way of being in the lucid dream uh, that that I found to be very fruitful is I would become lucid in the dream, and then I would try to find a way to um, break through the dream matrix. Uh, and the way that I usually do this would be to walk through a wall or drift through the floor or go through a mirror, some kind of, because all of these things are essentially portals. Um, and once your dream body merges with the dream environment, it's different for everybody has a sort of a different experience. But for me, what happens is the dream breaks up. It becomes very much like static, like um electric snow kind of like the snow of a tv set you know back in the days of analog tv mm-hmm. um or just um you know shh, there's this uh electricity of of little moving lights and and sometimes i'm falling through an abyss sometimes i'm drifting and i don't have a dream body at this point there's just my point of awareness and i feel like i'm in a vast space if i can sit there and be patient and wait there will be certain experiences that will emerge from this setting and sometimes the dream will recrystallize and suddenly I'll be back in a dream body again and I'll be back in a new dream a spontaneous dream Um, that can be really interesting like where do you go right and then another other times what happens is that all those um, all those geometric lights they self-organize and they create a vortex and you can at that point enter the vortex and again, it's sort of different for everybody, but the vortex takes you in, it becomes three-dimensional, it can become ecstatic. You can literally go into an ecstatic state at that point, you can wake up, um, or you can be put back into another spontaneous dream. Uh, and so all these different things can happen. So this is, this is what I tend to do in, in my states, and, and, and I consider it a spiritual practice because I'm... I'm uh, trying to guide my consciousness, but I'm also not trying to control the content of what I experience. I'm trying to, mm-hmm. to leave room for the spontaneity of the, you know, the, the, the big, the, you know, the, the, the great mind or the imagination to, to meet me. Right. Okay. First of all, this is blowing my mind and is so incredibly amazing. Um, okay. So you have, so when you're having sleep paralysis, that's not something that you're 
working to garner. It's not a skill that you're looking to um, play with. But when you are lucid, correct? Right. But when you are, like when you're talking about lucid dreaming, this is something that you've actively participated in, that you've actually garnered as a skill, that you've um, accumulated data on to be able to navigate deeper and deeper through these experiences. Is that correct? Right. Absolutely. Okay. So I want to know if other people have had similar experiences as you. You know, like as you're as you're kind of gauging all this data, are you seeing that other people are seeing the same vortexes and um, is their dream, you know, fragmenting into white noise as well? Yeah, well, this is interesting. There's there's a group of of dreamers who meet up once a year. Uh, There's an organization I'm part of called the International Association for the Study of Dreams. It's a group of people on the, I'd say, the the margins of academia. You've got sort of sleep scientists and shamanic practitioners to everything in between, people who are just fascinated by dreams. Uh, And so there's a lot of lucid dreamers who come to these meetings and we talk shop and we talk about our experiences and yeah, there's a there's a thing. It's a thing. Um, people call that space the void. Okay. You know, um, other people have called it the matrix. Other people have called it um, imageless lucid dreaming. Which, okay. Uh, you know, so so it's a thing. Okay. Did you know about the possibilities of what was happening to other people before you experienced this? No, because I was six when I started having those experiences. Lucid dream experiences with the with the vortex and whatnot. Yeah. So that so I mean, children are natural visionaries, right? And um, and before we tell them that they shouldn't be dreamers, you know, most of them are. <laughs> and right. so I was very lucky in the fact that I grew up in a household that um, where I was asked, "Hey, did you have a dream last night?" And so I was able to to cultivate that. In freaking credible. So. Another thing that I noticed on your website, you do have um, some supplements and things like that. And I was going to ask because, and again, Raw Talk listeners, Ryan and I have never met or spoken before tonight. So everything is very, um, we're, we're just meeting one another. So, but anyway, Ryan, I order, I own a juice bar and I sell Bulletproof coffee and I sell some supplements and things like that. And I also own a wellness center that has, um, that offers acupuncture, Reiki, um, reconnective healing, matrix energetics and meditation and things like that. So my interest is always also in, um, you know, making this work accessible to my clients and also to begin playing with it myself because what I found was that, you know, my clients were really interested in changing their lives and they would walk in for a juice and that would only get us so far. You know, you can, I can completely change someone's nutrition and not change their life. And so all of these conversations have been incredibly integral for me actually creating transformative experiences for the people that mm. I love and the people that I interact with daily. The podcast is another extension of that. You know, this information should absolutely be accessible. However, we should also respect the fact that people like yourself have really become esteemed in this verbiage and, and are amazing guides through these processes. But back to my question that was coming to mind in relation to 
supplementation and nutrition and things like that. Have you found that foods, I know that you, you also mentioned essential oils on your website. So I know that you are tuning into environmental um, things that, that cause reactions in the dream state. Do you find that nutrition and things like that also affect? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, you know, uh, in fact, one of the times when I was doing some of my most vivid, powerful dreaming, I hit, um, I hit a wall in, in, in which the dreams, the dreams turned, they became ugly. And I, at that point, my entire digestion seized up for a period of like three days. And I realized I have got to cleanse. And I did so immediately. Uh, and went through this entire process of, of flushing um, that lasted a week until everything kind of went back to normal. And after I had done that, the next dream in the series happened, and it had the answer to everything that had been sort of stopping me before. Uh, so, so you know, Can the you body had what was the, the body answer? That, well, it, you know, it's sort of hard to get into because it's a very it's a very long dream series. Okay. But it was just that I had gotten to a certain point in in the dream work, and I had to cleanse at that point. Mm-hmm. I needed my body to be able to hold everything that I was experiencing. The the body and the mind. You know, they're not just connected. It's it's so it's a it's a system. It's an ecology. Right. Uh, and so, you know, the dream is not just in the brain. We, when we're dreaming, we're dreaming in our bodies. Uh, so, so absolutely, the way you approach diet and nutrition can affect your dreams. When I shift my diet, my dreams can change. You know, I uh, did some. I did paleo diet for a while. Mm-hmm. When I did, I had explosive dreams for like months. Months, and I think it was because of all of the vitamins, all the B vitamins, mm-hmm. and all of the, um, it, you know, it was just, and I wasn't loading myself down with carbs anymore, which you know basically puts you to sleep in more ways than one, right? Um, I'm not on a paleo diet now, but I, you know, was aware and watched it, watched it happen, and so it's it's interesting. And B vitamins are great, you know, natural sources for B vitamins, magnesium. Most of us are vitamin D deficient. Um, that can help with sleep in general, which supports good dreaming. Um, so you don't have to be very esoteric, you know, with just like these building blocks of, you know, of diet. Okay, so do you gauge your health based on your capacity to dream and the health of your dreams, I guess? Also, I need to, I'm going to open my door because I'm hot, so I'm just moving around a little bit. And I'm yeah. drinking tea so that I don't cough on you. So, okay. But yes, is that, do you gauge your health based on your, the health of your dreams? I've never put it like, just like you said it, but now that you have said that, I think I have. And, you know, there's a, a, a dream psychologist who I respect. His name is Ruben Nyman. He's been doing a lot of um, excellent work these days on TV. Uh, and he talks about how we're a dream deficient society and we ourselves are dream deficient and that, um, that that's a problem. And so, um, and it's all connected to diet as well. Like we have to take care of ourselves. We have to be, to be fully human is, is to be open to dreams. That doesn't mean that if you don't dream that you're not fully human or that you're sick because sometimes we're so busy we don't have time to reflect inner. But that's the oh, that's okay because the dreams will come when we have time for them. Um, the dreams 
emerge and sometimes they have to get our attention, they have to be loud, they have to be nightmarish. It's not always convenient. Um, but, but when you have more time to yourself, you're able to reflect, write down your dreams, you know, do some of the follow-up work and researching the stuff that comes out of your, out of your dreams, you know, really like basically honoring the imagery that, that comes through. It, it just it falls back on itself and, and more openings occur. And so, yeah, yeah. Health and dreams are, are absolutely uh, connected. Oh my God, this is so, I love this conversation so much because unlike a lot of conversations that I'm sure you're used to having about dreams with people who are scientists, it's so intertwined to things that cannot be uh, measured, right? Yeah, yeah. So what's, so I want to give you... um, Another question that came up when you were just describing, we were talking about health and dreams. What was it? Did I lose it? Um, hmm. Health and dreams. Oh, so I've, to, to my knowledge, I've never, maybe when I was very, very young, but I don't ever recall recently having nightmarish dreams and so my question is do you think that we create our experience on some level maybe like a a higher self level are we creating our dreams individually to serve us individually do you think we're choosing the way Um, that they come in and and the way that they are um presented to us you know, I think it's sort of like everyone has their own style of dreaming, uh, and there's no wrong way to do it because you can't really affect it. Uh, you know, one of the studies, there's been some studies done on, you know, looking at people's dream journals over periods of decades, and their dreaming style is more or less consistent throughout the lifespan. Um so, so we have, you know, just a way that we that we express ourselves, and it comes through our dreams. Now that said, you can cultivate your dreaming by paying attention to it, and they become more understandable when you learn your own. Basically, you learn your own language, of um, right? You know, because we all have some dreams we have that, um, for instance, uh, I have this dream of my teeth falling out. Occasionally, mm-hmm. and I think this is a very—it's one of the most common dream themes in the world. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, and it's often interpreted very simply from a existential perspective of you know anxiety, right? There's you know anxiety okay. occurring, um, which is sort of like yeah, okay, duh. That doesn't tell me something I didn't already know, <laughs> right? Exactly. Right. So so what else is going on? I realized by tracking my dreams uh, is that. Well, the epiphany was is that I also, when I'm stressed, I also have bruxism. I grind my teeth in my sleep. Mm. Um, this was mostly a problem when I was a, when I was younger. Uh, and but what happened is is that I would wake up with my you know with my jaw uh, clenched or would feel um, sore like it has been clenched, and that coincided with the teeth falling out dreams. Um, but the third piece, which had I not been tracking it, I wouldn't have realized, was is that these tend to happen when I start taking too much caffeine into my diet. And so, you know, sense. like everybody, mm-hmm. um, I have a love-hate relationship with caffeine. I love coffee. And what happens when I when I get 
start drinking coffee, you know, it escalates and escalates and escalates. And then I hit this point where I'm like, I'm drinking too much coffee. Mm-hmm. And that is precisely right. Coffee causes anxiety in certain people. Mm-hmm. That's when my bruxism happens. That's when I have the dream. So now, now I know when I have the teeth falling out dream, I just cut straight to the proof. I say, I'm going back to green tea tomorrow. <laughs> That's awesome. That's it. Right, so it's just like it's a it's a health flag. It's a red flag. Mm-hmm. Does it have other other meanings? No doubt. Could I explore them in all kinds of different settings? Yeah, and you know I do. But it also does mean that. <laughs> I like that we address the health concern because I think that everything that you experience in your life is reflective of a state of health and that it it has to work on the emotional body it has to work on the physical on the energetic and the spiritual and soul levels so i'm really glad that we addressed the health component Um, but i kind of want to move into sort of the spiritual component so i want to know if you have had any particular experiences that have changed your perception of why we're here and who we are. Hmm. Yeah, I, I have. I mean, I, I certainly have. And I consider, from a personal standpoint, I consider dreaming to be a spiritual practice for me. Mm-hmm. It's something that I you know, occasionally give workshops on. I'm doing a workshop in Philadelphia on this very topic in December. And, cool. And, yeah, so, so um, and it's just basically, you know, uh, Dreams are a way of getting closer to the divine, however you define that and see that or are open to that in your life, um, you know, in figuring out your language for that. That said, um, one of the things that has come through a lot for me is dreams about nature, mm-hmm. dreams about the world, and they have opened me up to realizing that, okay, what if like you were saying earlier, and I think we, we kind of got distracted from the point, but what if we're dreaming for, not just for ourselves, but we're dreaming for com- our communities, or what if we're dreaming for the world? What if we are the earth dreaming, right? And, and we just, it comes through us, but we don't see that it's happening simultaneously mm-hmm. all around the world. Like, we are the earth dreaming. This is what the earth does in human form. <laughs> and, wow. and, we have, and we have traumatic ecological dreams that show us our despair in our situation and the, um, you know, the sort of the essence of the Anthropocene, you know, the how we're shifting into a, a time when humans are actually ha- causing so much change that it's a different climate, it's a different time. And we, and we know this uh, intellectually, but emotionally, it really sucks to be part of it. And so we live in a sort of a, a denial. And so I, I've noticed that these kind of dreams have um, can come through me. And um, I call that eco dreaming, you know, um, and there's a there's an article on my website about it. I wrote it probably five or six years ago. And it's just about yeah, about just the earth is actually uh, coming through us. And how can we dream for our community? How can we notice, notice these things, and these patterns? How can we notice the animals in our dream and not just say that animal is uh, a symbol of my anger, um, but actually that that is an animal energy that is asking for communion, right? Um, and, and not only that, but how does this spread through time? And um, uh, I, you know, if I can go on, a, on a, another sort of diatribe that's connected to this is that some of my work, I guess my heart work, 
is in, also involved in the archaeological community. I used to be an archaeologist for about 10 years after mm-hmm. college, and I'm still, you know, basically an amateur archaeologist. Um, I'm not a professional, um, but I love studying rock art. And last summer, I went to southern France and had this opportunity to um, go to a number of Paleolithic caves. Uh, and we, I went with a group of, um, of indigenous practitioners as well as um, other just other other people, videographers, um, some some poets, some psychologists. I was holding the dream space, and we went to kind of activate the cave to to say to the cave, "Hey, we're here. We're we're not here as tourists. What um, can we do for you?" Um, and oh. I had so many powerful dreams that came from this uh, this time, and I've been. I presented some information about this at a couple of different academic conferences, anthropological conferences, and it comes down to, you know, moments that I had in my dreams and in waking life looking at the rock art itself, looking at this extinct image, you know, this image of a, of a bison, right? Long-haired bison that went extinct 20,000 years ago, and it's looking at me as I look at it, and I realize I'm the one being perceived and I had this flood of emotion as I kind of remembered what hell has happened since the last ice age they're on the brink in that time span of the world collapsing and contracting due to due to ice and cold and here we are at the end of another cycle uh, and this time it seems like it's partially our own doing uh, and it's like whoa humanity and all this sort of shame and guilt about being a Western 21st century human came kind of rushing up. And, and to be honest, I haven't figured out what to do with it yet. I'm still just trying to acknowledge it and not be buried by it because being buried by it doesn't do anybody any good either. So I talk about it. <laughs> uh, and these things have come, into, come in through dreams too. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, so we are, we are dreaming for, for the world. Wow. I think that that's incredibly insightful and so some of my the spiritual work that I've done would probably inspire me in that moment to tap into my intuition I mean what do you do with when you really don't have information you do exactly what you're inspired to do which is what you've done which is to talk about it and um and maybe that was exactly the purpose of your dreams bringing you to that point and then your dreams communicating that message for you and through you for more exploration on someone by someone else, perhaps. Who knows? Um, but I really, I am very inspired that you did that because it inspires other people to do the same. And while some things like that, some matters of the heart may seem like they're unimportant. They are potentially the most important things that we could do, not only for ourselves, but for the planet. Absolutely. And, and, and it's easy to reconnect with nature, you know, um, and it doesn't take, it doesn't, you don't have to be in some kind of wilderness to do it. You can go down the street and find the creek. Um, if you live, if you live a place that has 
flowing water mm-hmm. uh, and find where the spring comes out of the ground and say, oh, there's, the sp- there's where the spring emerges. Well, that's where the fairies are, right? That's where the, that's where the fairies are. So you can do a blessing there. Or you can set up a stack of stones to acknowledge them. And then you wait for the dream. Because mm-hmm. that's how that's how the fairies emerge again, as they say, "Hey, thanks for that. Here's this cool dream for that acknowledgement. <laughs> that is so incredible. Yeah, I love so that. you, you got to make it. You, you make it behavioral. You actually move out out of your head, out of the headspace, and into the world. And and it doesn't have to be just gigantic, save the world movements, but also just these little everyday ways of participating. Does being curious about your dream bring you to a place where you're also inquiring about the nature of time yeah oh yeah absolutely because i mean nobody who studies dreams gets out with their world view intact <laughs> no no <laughs> not possible yeah, it, it all kind of mm-hmm. it, it's a clearly clearly time is is a mess uh, right it's right. a mess it's, you know, so, we, we live in a world of possibility and potential and parallels, and I don't understand it. You know? Me neither. But but what came up for me when you were describing the experience of seeing the the bison was that um, <clears throat> maybe that maybe there's a part of that that is still happening, and maybe the part of that that we think happened on the timeline that we've created in our minds really isn't that way i don't yeah, know I, I hear that i mean and, and that's why these that's why sacred sites should be protected and because they they're kind of like these timeless portals where you can um, have a conversation that is not bounded by time mm-hmm. and that's why you know twenty thousand years ago the paleolithic people were were putting paintings there because that cave itself holds a specific energy and a place to have a communication. And you look at sacred sites around the world, we need to protect them. Um, we need to protect them, not just so we can get information about what kind of food were these people eating long ago, but because how can they speak to us now? Mm-hmm. So amazing. Um, I want to move into a little bit of well, selfishly, my dreams. So can I give you a run-through of kind of the way that they've progressed recently? Sure. Okay. So initially when I started, I went on a retreat a couple of years ago. Actually, I was leading the meditation portion, and someone was there to speak about lucid dreaming. And she just basically gave, you know, the the protocol of beginning to tap into your dream state, which was to begin journaling it immediately after waking, you know, the, the, all the, the list that you have on your website as well about how to tune into your dreams and to become a participant. And so just with a few, um, minor, um, focal points, I was able to begin remembering very clearly what was happening and and what and the messaging that i was getting was so flat and unexpressive that i was like certainly my dreams can't be this boring like i'm not going to stand for this this is not okay so 
the more that I began talking about it, and I began talking about it with a lot of my, you know, spiritual healing friends, they were, especially the very grounded ones, were saying things like, you know, the dream state part of you would give anything to be embodied in this physicality and to be able to experience what we experience on the earth. Okay, so that's true. So I began bringing a sense of gratitude for what I was experiencing in the dream state. However, what I found, because I was also at that time, you know, I want to fly around. I want to see the different places. I want, you know, to do this type of thing. And so it did progress in that way. So what I'm now experiencing seems to be about 15 dreams at once. It seems as though I'm jumping from reality to reality with different situations in each one um, to where there's just a lot happening. It's very confusing, and at the same time, it still doesn't feel very exciting. It's just kind of concurrently taking place. Have you ever heard someone describe their dreams like that? Yeah, that's no, that's very interesting. I mean, so you're describing coming back into your dream life. And at first, there was just almost nothing. And it was very flat. And now it's almost like this sort of chaos. Um, and it's disorganized. Um, it's almost like it almost seems like your dream self is sort of like waking up and it's just like, it hasn't had its coffee yet and it's just sort of floundering around through your memories and associations and whatever else you can feel. I mean, the way I really see it is is that we can become better dreamers simply by paying attention to dreams and then making intentions about staying open to our dreams as they next occur. So basically setting a dream incubation to, I'd like to go back to that spot, but I'd like to have more clarity. Um, you know, and, and seeing if you can sort of focus the imagery. Uh, and, and it's a lot like meditation. It's a different state of mind. Mm-hmm. Um, dreaming is a different way of being in the world, right? Um, and we're not who we are in the waking world. We're not who we are in meditation. Um, we're just absolutely, it's just, it's emotional. It can be chaotic mm-hmm. and, and time doesn't work the way we're used to it working. And so it can feel very discombobulated and boredom, I mean, let's just remember boredom is a defense mechanism, right, against truth, against um, being out of control. I mean, if you think about the most bored group of humans on the planet, it's teenagers. And <laughs> teenagers, so right. right? Am I right? And, now, and teenagers are people who are forced to be children when they're clearly ready to take on more responsibilities. Mm-hmm. And so they become bored. They become disaffected because because we've stripped them of power. You can't drive to this. You can't do this. You can't have a job. You can't, you know, you're a child. Um, so this prolonged adolescence creates boredom. Also, when boredom comes up in my life, I have to like say, oh, okay, wow, what am I, um, what do I want, don't, what do I want not to hear? You know what I mean? Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, so, so there's, I'm sure there's a lot of fascinating things going on in your dreams and just be patient and keep doing what you're doing. And, yeah. Um, you know, and of course you can't write down all of your dreams because we'd be spending all day in bed writing our dreams down and then we wouldn't be living our life. And I've tried that before and it doesn't go well. Mm-hmm. You, you know, there's a point of diminishing returns. So, so write down the ones that feel most impactful, mm-hmm. the ones that have those visual elements that stand out, you know, 
um, and just um, and then use those to kind of refocus where you want to go. Cool. And I'm sure people can see um, just some more tips that some great tips and experiences that you've had from your website. And I will absolutely list that at the bottom of the podcast so that people can get in touch with you. Um, but it wouldn't be a raw talk episode if we didn't talk about aliens. <laughs> so we have to end on a high note. Okay. So you briefly mentioned and probably thought you were going to get out of the conversation of potentially talking about interaction with aliens or extraterrestrial beings. I want to know if you feel that that is the state in which other spiritual beings have the greatest amount of capacity to connect with us and if you believe that they do. Well, you know, to be honest, I'm not sure what I believe uh, about that, but I have encountered some very interesting autonomous individuals uh, in my dreams, in my sleep paralysis experiences. Um, I've experienced gigantic insects um, that um, that have wanted to have their way with me. <laughs> and um, and you know and I've read Whitley Stryber and I've I've read um, a, a lot of the encounters. I have a lot of respect for um, for the movement because because um, because it's authentic. Um, and in terms of the interpretation, I, you know, I really don't know. I really don't know. I mean, this is the age old question of like how you know yeah what are these visionary creatures you know william james said the spiritual is called spiritual because it's about spirits because that's how what we are actually perceiving and interacting with what else do you call it and you can try to get around it but um in the end um the way i work with them in my life is to have respect for the figures uh to listen um and to ask questions when possible and and if I feel like there's bad mojo, I try to get out. I mean, mm. you know, and I just, you know, psychic defense um, is something that, that every dreamer has to learn how to do as well. And I think that that you know, relates very much to other kinds of anomalous experiences. So people are open to other kinds of things. I, you know, I don't have those kind of experiences, but I, I understand their impact. And yeah. Do you feel that when you make your point heard to other beings in the dream realm that you are always heard and respected? No, no, absolutely no? not. Oh, oh, interesting. No. no, I mean, you know, I mean, it just it, maybe it's a, it's about my own level of respect and because I'm not always, you know, necessarily, you know, um, my highest self. So, um, I mean, I've told uh, figures before that they're just a dream projection and then they're like, oh, yeah, you know, well, here's some pain for you. <laughs> How does that feel? You know what I mean? So, um, and you, and this was experienced in a dream state, um, in, in a sleep paralysis state in a, in a visionary, um, you know, which is a visionary conversation. So uh, you, was, you couldn't, you actually couldn't physically get yourself out of it then. No, no, no. I was electrocuted. And this is something that's felt by a lot of people who, who talk about, um, about alien encounters as well, is that they, you know, the paralysis, the electrocution, um, the pain, the probing, um, there's, um, you know, being cut, you know, ritually cut, all these kind of things. They happen in initiation style dreams. They happen, you see them 
you know, people have these experiences all the time. I have had them. I um, don't like them when they come necessarily. And no, absolutely, it's not always um, it's not always fun and games. Hmm. If we believe that the universe is self-organizing and self-correcting and and somewhat intentional, then we would somewhat believe that there was a purpose, right? Well, I mean, that's the question, I guess, that for holism, um, psycho-spiritual holism, that um, we have to leave open um, and, and make sure that our dogma doesn't get in the way. Um, the universe can be self-organizing and we can feel pain, um, and it's and it's not about our spiritual purity necessarily. Um, you know, Chris Bache. I don't know if you've ever read his work, um, uh, but he essentially, Chris Bache looks at and talks about near-death experience and people who have hellish near-death experiences, uh, and says, well, they're basically you know experiencing levels of what used to be called hell. You know, an experiential reality that used to be called hell that, you know, that they're entering into and it seems to have a place in the universe. Uh, and hell's very organized in that sense. Now, and, and listen, I'm not, you know, trying to advocate that there is a real place called hell or and, and whatnot, right? right? Mm-hmm. Um, but but there are experiences. So, they've, there's, so whatever worldview we have, there has to be room for that um, in, in a way that doesn't also whitewash our own participation in the sense that we're better people if we only have white light experiences. And that potentially we and our beliefs and our actions don't contribute to those experiences taking place in our reality. Yeah, I mean, you know, we have to be open to the timelessness of creation and yet um, also respect that history occurs and suffering occurs on on the existential plane, and you have to hold those two things simultaneously, and that's confusing and it's mm-hmm. painful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet, for me, at the end, it, it's there has to be hope, and there is hope, um, you know. And I think the more that we talk about our authenticity, um, the, the the more we can connect with people in an authentic way, the more hopeful I feel, you know, mm-hmm. about the future. So closing out the topic of communication with beings that seem to be outside of you, what has been the most positive experience or message that you've received from your collection of experiences? The most positive or, you know, I, I don't really know. I don't really know. So um, many? There's been, there's, there's, there's been many, but every time I have an experience where I have a communion-like experience with a dream figure or, uh, or a visionary figure. That, to me, um, you know, it's not even in the words. It's basically, it's, um, it's underneath the words. So that's what keeps me going. It's the presence and the, entire, the entirety of the experience that most likely is probably so far beyond something that could be described by menial words. So I'm glad that you answered it that way. That's perfect. And I could actually talk to you forever about this. It's so (laughs) inspiring. It's so mind-opening. And um, it's wonderful for so many reasons. And so I'm so grateful that you are sharing your experiences, that you're sharing your messages. And I actually do have 
quite a few listeners in Philadelphia. So if you want to go ahead and say what um, your workshop is, where it is, and um, oh, sure. and when it is, you can go ahead and, and do that. And then all of your other contact information I will put in the show notes for everyone. Yeah, so let me take a look at the calendar to make sure I get the date right. Um, it's um, December 2nd and 9th, two Saturdays in a row um, in in Germantown at the Unitarian Church in Germantown, it's just the space that I'm having this workshop on dreaming as a spiritual practice, and it's free. It's just open to whoever wants to show up and, and talk about talk about that for I think it's 10:30 in the morning, and they'll have it on the the Unitarian Church of Germantown's website, I believe. So uh, cool. So so anyway, that's just something that I'm doing sort of for fun. Yeah. I love it. Um, I wish I could be there. I will make it to one of your seminars or workshops again, and hopefully we can have you back because there are so many things to discuss relating to your work. And again, I'm just so grateful and, um, and excited about what this is opening up for all of us, especially me, you know, the boredom thing. I mean, you like, you basically gave me a reading and, um, and it's something that I do work with, you know, regularly in my life. I'm constantly questioning what is exciting to me, what feels good to me, and trying to go in, in, into that direction. However, I do see that I could take more risks and, um, and do it a little bit more boldly. And so what you said is completely spot on. I think that you're amazing. You have so much information. And I want all of my listeners, listeners to tune into what you're doing. So again, I'm going to list your website. And is there any other, do you like Instagram or Facebook? Um, you know, I'm on, I'm on Twitter as, as Dream Studies. And cool. I'm on and Facebook as Dream Studies as well. I, Dream Studies Portal on Facebook as well and um can i since we are having a video i wanted to show you a second let me see if i can find it okay show you my little coin here cool okay do you see that yes i can see it this is my this is my lucid talisman am i dreaming yeah so these are these are some coins that i've minted that i'm selling off of off of my website it's actually lucidtalisman.com and they're to, to, you keep them on you. They're made of copper, so it's it's actually doing the work from an elemental level. Interesting. Uh, and you ask yourself every time you come in contact with the coin, uh, "Am I dreaming?" And the repetition makes you ask it in your dream. So that's, that is that's the so thing. cool. I love that. That is cool. I'm gonna get one as soon as we get off the phone. I'm gonna order one. Um, Thank you again so much, Ryan. Um, the Raw Talk listeners slash basic witches and wizards are all going to be ecstatic that you've spoken to our dream state selves. So thank you for being here, and we will connect again soon. Great. Thanks for having me. I had a really great time. Thanks, Ryan. Bye.